0: Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, please like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero's story. And in this episode, I met with Mark Henderson, and he's very real and everyday yet serious story of being a victim of family abuse. You know, he tells the story of the journey that he went through with his wife and how she eventually was just diagnosed with bipolar disorder but through the journey of being with her the impact it had on him and then his mental well-being as well you know it it really shows how important it is that we take care of ourselves but also that others around us especially in our families can really impact us and also how it impacts everyone else right and it's it's wonderful that mark was able to navigate his way out the way he did and uh, i love the clarity and the warmth and the heart that he gave his story i hope you enjoy this one with mark henderson Well, here we are. It's another episode of Kintsugi Heroes. I'm Aveline Clark and my guest today is Mark Henderson. Mark, it's lovely to have you here. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's good to be here, Aveline.
0: Thank you. I'm really grateful for your time and you know, you being able to show up and share your story with me and, and everybody else listening. So uh, let's, let's get started, shall we? How about I hand over to you and ask you to take us back to the beginning of your story. Where does it start? And, uh, you know, maybe give us some context, you know, what was going on for you at the time the story starts.
1: Sure. Well, look, I, I suppose first thing I'd like to say, it feels a bit of an honor to be here. So thank you for interviewing me. But uh, there's another part, part of it where uh, I'm nothing special or or extraordinary. I'm just, I mean, I like to think I am in my own little world. I, I work hard and I apply myself, and, and I've had many opportunities in my life, you know. I, I had a really mm-hmm. rich life. Like, uh, as I say to people, you're born in Australia, you, you kind of won the lottery, you know. So
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: especially, especially with my circumstances, I, I, I suppose, um, in terms of, uh, you know, position and circumstances. But, uh, but where my story starts? Well, um, where does any story start? It starts at the beginning, I guess. I married this intelligent, yeah. dynamic, beautiful woman. And, uh, and, uh, and it, was, it was great. You know, I, I, we, we always had a difficult, fractious relationship. And at times, we split up, but we'd get back together. and uh, Fantastic, right? Like, a lot of laughs. Really funny, really funny person. Uh, as I said, quite dynamic, energized, educated. Um, but then over time she and we had three great kids, three, three, three fantastic children together, three sons. But over time she she became more fractious. She became ill. And uh and and she was in big denial over this. So when I sit there and say, you know, what what's my tough story? I need to start by saying it's tied into her tough story and it was tough it was her experience in you know, it and it was pained and it still is pained um and uh and in some ways uh you know i married married this this woman and uh and i was very much a you know let's get it right marry for life sort of thing and um which is might be a dream and even when i married i knew it was kind of a bit of a dream but uh, nonetheless, you know, you go in there open-eyed and, and, and full of hope and care and, and love, all of that stuff. So that was um, where my story started. And, uh, and uh, my ex now, uh, she became, she, she started becoming ill. I, I know that when I was preparing for this, it was like, what was the, what was the event? What was the thing that happened? And there wasn't an incident. There wasn't an event. It was more like over time I, I found myself caught in a cage and the tide was rising. Mm. And it was really terrible. You know? It was really terrible. And, um, and I couldn't get out of the cage because there were three sons involved.
0: So, Ma- Mike, when you mm. say the cage, are you talking about the – the, the walls of the marriage itself. Mm. So, was it the relationship?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was in the relationship, and it was in in that circumstance. And walls uh, of marriage is an interesting term, Evelyn, because uh, there is also that idea of what we bring into a marriage: our background and our hopes, and and that, um, the, the the ideas of marriage, which 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 were present and happily present, you know, happily present, and uh, but then. Things happened. Um she she well she would do things, she would say things to me sometimes. And okay, you have your normal to and fro in a relationship, but some she, in a way she was more like I'm quite a bold and empowered sort of guy. I'm articulate and uh you know, I have a lot of but she was kind of bigger and tougher than me. Uh she was kind of bigger and tougher than me. She was dynamic.
0: Was it, is it naturally that she was that way or did she kind of be bigger and tougher than yeah. you because she felt she had to be? You know, what was that dynamic? A little bit
1: of both. There was always a bit of a dynamic of competitiveness, which mm. uh, I reflect back in our relationship. Uh, but she was also, um, look, as we as came out, right, she had this thing called bipolar bipolar 2. It was misdiagnosed for a long time. And uh, you know, if you look at the 1% of people supposedly that might have this, they over-contribute in terms of contribution to the arts and invention. And, you know, they're, they're kind of brilliant. She had this ability, when I want to say she was dynamic and intelligent. Uh, she did have the ability to sometimes, you know, to be too unfrozen in conversation among a whole group of people and she could suddenly just go, snap, grab it and just say something insightful. You know she had this dynamic about her which is really attractive you know it was really great and uh i'm a bit more of a thinker uh in that a bit more sanguine so I'm, I'm sort of like the wheels are churning in my head but i'll um i'll let them churn i'll let them churn and munch and grind it for a bit and i'm, pretty, I'm, I'm okay with that you know and uh and that almost is like going on in the background sometimes for me quite often so uh until i'll until i'll i'll, I'll try to give it a narrative, give some language to it. Uh, words are important for me. Uh, in, in, well, I mean, they're important for everyone, but I seem to really try to struggle to find the right ones. And uh, it's important. So look, anyway, I was, I was within the confines of this relationship and, and uh, she'd do things which I remember sitting there and thinking, that's not fair. Th- that's not fair. Like what you're doing, what you're saying, or... I'd come up with something you know, so, so, you know, to discuss it and somebody would be attacked, launched down my throat and it's like, whoa, what's going on there? And if I questioned that, she was quick, you know, and she was, then I'm off balance mm-hmm. and I'm being impressed. Um, so there was stuff like that what was going on. Um, what else? She, um, this was also playing out with our children. So she was re- at times she was really aggressive. Times she was like she was vacant. She was not. She was like depressed. Another other times she was full on, and uh, and I mean full on swearing. Um, she gets so frustrated. I mean, I had been pushed up against the wall with a, with her elbow in my throat, mm. and things like that. And uh mm. look, I'm a big unit, right? Yeah. But I just don't use her. but she's not she i mean she was a state athlete she's five foot 11 and about 75 or 80 kilos but physically i'm a big hard unit but i'm not, I'm not gonna i'm not someone who's ever gonna i don't use that so uh and it was okay you know it was kind of, it was kind of okay but it definitely wasn't okay on, on the other hand um yeah so there was that sort of abuse you know
0: yeah. W- w- was she diagnosed at this point yeah. or was this kind of leading up to the diagnosis? Oh,
1: no. So, if, if, if I want to go back and say, where did it begin? So, there's all this stuff going on. Um, mm-hmm. At one stage, one of our kids had uh, uh, he had a dyspraxia, so he couldn't get his words out. And we went and saw the speech pathologist and then a counsellor at the hospital. And she sort of saw the way Kim was behaving and said, I think you might have depression and uh and then we said we would would you help us with this and then she said no, no no i deal with kids but you should get it checked out and then suddenly uh, my my ex goes well we're about to go away so let's do nothing and we were we were, we were, we were moving house we we're going to go to another state and work i can transfer and work and we thought let's go have an adventure and uh we did that uh, and then we got up there and she saw a doctor and she put on this great song and dance in front of doctors. I knew she was, but she was she was acting strange. She was drinking more. She was up and down. She was um, aggressive at times. And uh, but she'd see a doctor and she's like, oh, yeah, as well, you know, a mother of three kids and doing this and doing that, and writing a book and doing... And put on this song and dance. So the doctor's like, oh, you're Iron Council O maybe. And I'm thinking, what do, you, what do you mean? You know, no way. <laughs> I've had to put up with it. And so she just was in denial, denial, denial. And then at one stage, and this this went on for for years. And at one stage we had this time where I sort of said to we had this fight, in fact, and, and look, my ex is a published author, I, I should add. So she and in memoirs and she who's uh, she even teaches memoir writing and things like that so she she's got energy to her and the first book was just um was was really great it was about her growing up and the second book was really a it starts with a fight and this between her and i and this fight happened some of the events i i remember differently i ordered them slightly differently but nonetheless this fight did happen and it was fierce it was uh swearing and gnashing of teeth if you want things like that and uh But then reading her autobiography, she suddenly made the comment that, great, I got out of it again. And I suddenly realized and thought, wow, so that fight that I'm really hurt by, it was a tactic. It was a tactic to get out of it, you know, so she didn't have to be confronted with me going, this is unfair, stop stop behaving this way. And she caused that. And she might think it was also clever. I'm sure she doesn't now. But this is whittling away at trust and respect and kindness in my Mm -hmm. relationship. And it was whittling away at it. So so we had this time, this particular period where she became so fierce. And for two weeks, she was screaming at me and fiercely, get out, leave, go on. Why don't you just leave? And I was in quietly in my own world in tears because i thought this fierceness is going to go from me to my 15 year old son my eldest child and he's a child he's going to be smashed and uh but eventually i just sort of came to this idea that one of us are going to die whether it be me whether it be her it be one of my kids and uh i had to I, I didn't know what else to do so i actually um went out one day and um met someone you yeah, know i didn't meet someone i i that sounds wrong i i went and found a place to live and I, I went and found <laughs> a place so and shook hands with the man and his wife no a nice couple about 10 years old i mean it was an apartment i remember thinking well though i don't really have the money for this i'm i'm getting the two-bedroom apartment with a bit more space because i fully expected my children would would in quick succession be coming to live with me um at least the oldest two boys and uh then I went home and said, hey, Kim, I've, um, I need to let you know. I just went and shook hands with someone to, uh, to take on a, a lease. And then she looked at me and went, oh, Mark, please don't go. I think I might be really sick. I was like, oh. So I said, okay. So I ran up with a person, pulled out. Well, actually, I didn't say okay straight away. I said, okay, you've got to come to counseling with me. And she said, yeah, okay, then. Again, in her book later on, I read that she had thought Mark will never get it or- organized and organize that. It'll be like the other things he didn't organize. The two things being one was I'd always said, let's do dancing classes together, thinking that'd be fun. And uh, I never organized it because she moaned and groaned about how tired she was for week and week and week after. And the other one was, I, I always thought it'd be great to foster a child. We've got mm-hmm. the resources and I worked in human services and, and, uh, but then she wasn't coping with three children, taking on another child. That's really difficult, that possibly has, has, has issues and behavioural issue, issues and needs to be really calm. So, so I never did that, but this time I went and found a counselor and I actually did my homework and, and asked quite a few people and, and I found this great lady and uh so normally you go from a doctor to a counselor we went straight to a counselor and uh and this was an, this is another important event for me so we get to the first counseling session and my partner being the person she is, has this great big long list and i get hammered <laughs> i have her telling me i'm wrong and the counselor pretty much wagging her finger at me but there's part of me I'm thinking, no, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm not, not that bad. I don't think I'm that bad anyway. And uh, and then we get to the second counselling session and we get halfway through it and the counsellor suddenly goes, stop, stop, just stop. Okay, Mark, I don't need to see you anymore. In, we need to get to and do some work if that's okay with you, probably for the next two or three months. And um, I mean, I kept a pretty straight face, but validation I felt was huge. It was like, Mm. as I said, you know, for for me, trapped in this, it was like I was in this confines of a a situation and it was like the tide was rising. Mm. And I could see that, you know, we we were sick and eventually someone's gonna drown. No, I was going to drown, and suddenly it was like I could see down that the plug had been pulled, and this might start draining. Anyway, I got validated in a way, and I thought, "Thank goodness." Mm. And uh, I sort of kept my cool, and I wasn't going to close for anything. But there was a part of me inside was just going, "Oh yeah, wow!" So I'm not all these bad things, maybe. And 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 yes, the the relationship and marriage is in a difficult circumstance but there's this other thing which is finally been called out and maybe it can be isolated and and that was um that's hugely important to me and uh so then time went on and she did this counseling and then eventually i got some big thing but she was then misdiagnosed right? right so it was misdiagnosed as ptsd and depression and uh and so then she went to the doctor and the doctor gave her a particular flavor of the drug of the month or whatever it was and it didn't work. And then they went stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and, stronger and, stronger. and until the doctor finally said, Wow, most people get 20 milligrams of this. You're on 240 milligrams of this. And I think it's called Xeroquel or something. Uh, I can't get you any more. Which um, And in hindsight, because I've done my homework, so the thing, um, really pathetic, by the medical fraternity in my mind. So just mm-hmm. I'll keep upping your aunt. And uh, so she got referred to a psychiatrist who can then go beyond that level. And, uh, and then the psychiatrist missed it for another eight months, nine months. This involved my ex going in and out of a uh, mental health facility. Uh, a private hospital. Uh, fortunately, uh, and it was a tough time because, in some ways, um, my ex is saying to me, "Oh, you've got to bring the kids to visit me. They've got to visit me the whole time." We all got home, myself and my three sons. I a stigma but we're all lying on the floor in the lounge yeah. room, on our backs, on the floor in the lounge room, and it was like it's quiet the uh, household isn't being turned upside down mm. we can just chill and my kids didn't want to go and see her they didn't want to go mm. there and it was all quite pleasant but they, they articulated it really clearly so i'd go and see her and oh why are the kids hey where are they, my kids where are my kids and hey they needed to chill out they needed to get their own
0: mm. compass
1: together you know and and uh and so she was in there and she was only going to be there two weeks old, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. She was there for like seven weeks. And uh, and look, we did go and visit her, I, I, uh, but I wasn't going to force them and drag them every second day. It just wasn't going to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, again, misdiagnosed for ages. I think it was on the second time that she had to go back in that they finally went, oh, this is really tricky. And she got sent away and assessed by the, at some, some facility in Sydney, and, and there was the, like, the technical director of Beyond Blue, who was some super duper. And he saw something and went, We might have this wrong. And then they worked out that it was bipolar. But in her case, she couldn't take the standard medication because of a previous medical issue when she was a teenager. So they were left playing with all these because they could throw out your thyroid. So I left playing with all these all these medications. Um, but I suppose that's um, so that's all this this background. So it was like I uh, the, the the battle that I had was this full well, on unfairness that I was treated with and and the grief of losing a relationship. Uh, which yeah. wasn't lost. Hey, I mean at the end of the day i I was back in there for counselling and trying to work it out. But there were some other points that, that happened along the way. So, so one time we, we went to a, um, like a Super AMAR to buy some shelving, right, to, to get a uh, – we were having some built-ins made of a house and, uh, and the guy doing it and the neighborhood builder, he sort of said, oh, look, just go to Super Mart, buy the stuff, and just whack it in, do it cheaper than I can do. It's not worth your time. And we went in there and you're in like this warehouse and shelving everywhere – and the, the shop guy, you know, he's about a man about my age, five years older than me or something like that. He came up and, and my partner was talking to me and he, he just sort of went, Did she guys talk to you like that, mate? I said, sort of "Went huh? He went, I'll be over there if you want to talk to me. He wasn't having a bar, but he just walked it off. It was a little innocuous thing. But for me, it was one of those moments where you sit up and think, wow a guy who's meant to be helping me you know just just you know pointing out which cupboards around just goes toxic man I'm not, he's actually not wanting to be around it but i'm living in it uh you know so these things are happening now over time i mean i, I also found myself now um one way or another single parenting so i was a single parent from the three boys we we tried different things so at one stage we had this tiny little shack in the bush and we left the kids in the home and Kim would live in, we'd swap. So instead of the kids going between the houses, the kids had the same house and the adults went between the houses and that was pretty lonely and tough. And uh, But it was our way of doing it to think let's, let's give these kids stability and, and not a bad thing to do. Uh, and we are in the situation where we could do it and, uh, and we are prepared to do it. Uh, but it was tough. I, my kids would ring me up and go, Dad, you've got to come home. This is a nightmare. It is so bad. She's just screaming at us. And uh, But I was sort of like, no, you're, you're actually going to have to work out your relationship with your mother one way or another. You're going to have it forever.
0: How old were they at the time?
1: Uh, so my eldest was... Uh, Uh, 15 16 15 16 and then i had a 14 year old and then a uh, 11 12 year old it was a bit bit worried a bit young but he was kind Mm -hmm. of in his own world and (laughs) anyway and uh he'd sort of you know oscillate to his room be fairly quiet and pretty easy to live with but uh but they'd get quite upset they'd sit down and go we go to talk to her and she's suddenly on a phone to her friends she's had all day to be on a phone to her friends and uh I mean, you know, so, and when I was there, so, so eventually, look, we separated and I was a single parent. Um, and they, they'd see, see your mother, he She went to live in the other house. And uh, it was kind of fine because I'd already been working all the time and generally coming home and cooking half the time and cleaning all the time and trying to do some homework when things weren't disrupted. And so, life well, sort of got easier. <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us to continue to produce more hero stories and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all
0: donations. These can be made by our website kintsugiheroes.com.au. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using Ian at
1: kinsugiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story.
0: Yeah, I could imagine I can imagine. Um, what was the what what was the transition to agreeing to separate like how did that go did it did it come about from a fight or was it actually a mutually agreed pathway
1: uh it was a mute i think it was mutually agreed it didn't there wasn't some explosive point in that so Hmm. uh there was those factors there were little things that happened so um so i joined a group Called, called Mentors for Men which was near the area I lived and it's basically a fraternity group of men. Uh, generally these guys are, are, are a generation to two generations older than I am and we'd meet on a Thursday and and chat and it uh, starts with a bit of a checky. So you go around a circle and where are you, where are you at? And, uh, and you can actually just and these guys, I'd, I'd got to know them quite a bit over time and these guys had uh, um I suppose, you know, there, there was respect. There was, there, was, there was a depth of knowledge with each other and we shared a lot for a long time and, uh, or quite a while anyway. So, And there was one time you, you could easily sort of take the talking stick and just pass on and say, oh, I'll pass today. But I had actually hadn't said, uh, uh, I'm numb. I've got nothing to say. And uh, and went to pass it on and actually one of these guys, which you normally wouldn't do in that sort of circle, just said, not good enough, Mark. What's going down, <laughs> and a few others nodded their head as if, like, what's, what's happening. And uh, I had to step into where my numbness lay. And uh, mm. so my job was, was working in human services, that so I generally was up for working with the tough end. So I might be talking to someone who needs who's in crisis, in needs something immediately, and sometimes you can't get it for them. Uh, but sometimes, they, you know, it was tough and, uh, and I think I'd, I'd dealt with my ex in the morning and basically got up and just been blasted for something and then come in to see this group of these guys and say I'm numb and say I, I'm not feeling, it's like I'm numb and, and then having to step into that a bit and, and find what is in there and uh, it was that it was a um, a sense of injustice, I guess. And, and, uh, but then also saying, wow, you know, I, I can do all the right things and be thinking that this is the right things I'm doing and things still don't go right. And, uh, and that is my experience of the world. So that's what's going down for me. Um, so that was sort of like a seminal point for me, I guess, in its own little way. Something inside me goes, you know what? You 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 think you're a good guy. You think you're doing the right thing, and whether you are or not, it still doesn't work. So screw it. Just screw it, right? And uh, and it was kind of liberating in its own way. As I said, I don't suddenly hit these points. I'm a bit more of a chew over things for a bit, but I think. Uh, you know, this internal liberation went on. And that was a a good sort of thing. Um, So that was where I actually, and I should say, these men in this mentoring group, they also held me. Now, they, they had my back. And I'm, yeah, that's really good.
0: With that liberation, Mark, was that an acknowledgement that, and an acceptance that you didn't have to always do the right thing, expecting life to give you roses and for everything good to happen back? Was it that letting go of your own sense of high expectation or, or a sense of duty? Was that it?
1: I think so. I mean, I still have a bit of a sense of duty, I guess, Um responsibility. I think it's, it's yeah. sort of revol- maybe it was duty, and now it's re- evolved into responsibility in some ways. Because, uh, um, as I mentioned at the start, you know I've, um, I'm like I, I've, you know, just outrageous uh, in a way. Um, what what's been presented to me in this life, and uh, and there's responsibility in that, for me, which uh, you know, I sort of work ways, assiduously towards meeting uh, an expectation and um i'm not the smartest or brightest or hard working out, but he is through any of that stuff you know but i can still put in what i can put in and uh, and sort of and 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 putting it in and putting that work in is sort of acknowledging something which Allows a givingness, uh, which 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 allows a gratefulness, you know? and uh, that, mm. these are important themes in, in my life and where I think I can offer something. Um, so, yeah, so so they are important aspects. Um,
0: so you gave yourself permission to not feel that you had to keep giving in the marriage and keep mm. doing the right thing, whatever that was. For oh goodness, people. yes.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I was um you know, it's uh it's interesting because my ex would still try to you know do guilt trips on me. I you know, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. But having I mean, as she's a published author and I've looked at her books, <laughs> uh and part of it was a memoir, which is to do with uh uh marriage um very much nice marriage breakdown. So I'd go, oh, I remember that event. And some things I as I said, uh, my recollection's a little bit different, but on the whole, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty true to form. And, uh, and there were parts of it where I think um, that was, yeah, it's given me insights into what she was mm. thinking there. You know, she's thinking, oh, I got out of it again. Or, um, mm. or the parts where, you because know, I, I would go into the recycle bin and go, crikey, there's another bottle and a half of wine in there. Right, so she's drinking. while well, it's drinking. And I thought, but the way she's behaving, wow. But she was a bit more clever than me. So she was drinking two and a half bottles of wine, but she was hiding the other one. So she was giving away a bit, but not giving away it at all. Yeah. So right. good for her, clever for her.
0: <laughs> you know, so,
1: yeah, whatever. So so there's those sorts of things. Um,
0: so the mentoring men, yeah, so that was that, do you think, the the turning point that then... enabled you to then go down this path of, you know, agreeing to separate and you finding your own way in a different, with a different internal, um, I guess, I won't say structure, but, you know, modus operandi, no longer needing to have that sense of responsibility or obligation
1: but I think there were two, two other things. It was, it was partly that I'm feeling supported and held by them in a way, but it was also yeah. at that time, uh, I remember lying in bed and realising that this was not going to go away, you know, so it's, it's not going to get better. It's not going to suddenly be right, and, uh, and I get that. But I was still up for, 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 for going down this course of life, but then we had a particular counselling session, so we're still doing counselling, right? We're still trying to bring it together, and we're still doing counselling, and there was this one counseling session where she just came, just looked at me and went, I don't forgive you. I'm never going to forgive you. I will never forgive you. And she said it with this venom and conviction. And uh, I wasn't even particularly sure what I'd done wrong. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I look, I, I did some things wrong, which I, which I get. Uh, so, um, but, uh, I mean, there was one, I mean, I, I had a boat and I took the kids out on the boat once and she asked me to make sure they wear life jackets. And uh, between getting them ready and getting them on the boat and everything else, we didn't. Okay, and uh, I get it. I, uh, they should have worn life jackets. Uh, um, we can all swim like fishes and, you know, like didn't happen in my youth. But nonetheless, nonetheless, they should have been re- uh, I had agreed. I had agreed. But is that a never forgive you for the rest of my life? (laughs) You know, with a, with a, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, and I, and that for me was a bit of a, I'm not living with that for the rest of my life. Mm. No, no. I get, you get to go around this game once. And, uh, well, at least in the one that you remember, I guess, uh, whatever. And, and I, uh, no, no. And, 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 uh, and, and there were kids, there were still children. There were still children involved and things like that. So, And, uh, and, and the effort and energies that I want to apply in my life. So, so that, that, that was the way it is. That, that was a key point right I sort of thought, um, I came out of that session and I thought, I'm out. I'm out. I've, I've had two years of counselling and all this stuff and in and out of hospitals and me doing everything and I'm out. And that, that, that was that. Th- yeah.
0: Did you ever think that you couldn't leave? Was there a sense before that moment that you really felt you, you mm. were, you were there and you had to see it through?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, I had this, this point where, uh, I'd, I'd been yelled at and screamed at for two weeks straight to, you mm. know, piss off mm. and all this stuff. And, uh, and I went and shook hands with these people and said, "I'll, I'll take your, I'll, I'll take your place on." And uh, and you know, I went. I, I mean, I had to go back to them and talk to them. I, I um, and they were fine. Man. They were gracious and lovely. But nonetheless, if if I'm sitting there shaking hands with someone, saying, "Okay, I'll take the lease," um, that's kind of a, a bit of a deal, you know, for me to suddenly you sit there 24 hours later and go, "Well, actually, I'm I'm going give it more of a go with my ex," um, so, uh yeah, Up up until probably that point, I'm sure that bloke, you know, I, I mind that yep I'm in, I'm in for the freaking hard yards and the hard hall and, and still within those, I think, confines of a, of a marriage and, and, and had to be for my children. As I said, you know, uh, you know when, when we did that sort of house swapping thing and my 15-year-old was ringing me up in tears, begging me to come home, that wasn't easy right that wasn't easy that 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 sucked that sucked big time and Mm. uh but you know i was damned if i do and damned if i didn't you know like if i if i if i I stayed away he's hurting if i go in there then she's sort of more. you don't stay out of here you don't leave me alone we're all fine and people and you're the one upsetting everything Mm. whatever so whatever so um yeah, so we had those, those events, you know, along the way.
0: How did you manage to get the, the kids without, I mean, did she put up a fight when you agreed to separate and you, you became a single dad? What was the negotiation or the agreement there?
1: She knew she was sick. She, had, yeah. she has some insight and, uh, and the kids are pretty clear where they wanted to be and what they wanted to be doing. So. Uh, so we we did that um and she was kind of happy you know there was a part of her which was happy so she had started writing this this memoir from the start of her life and uh and it was advancing you know she was in book, uh, book negotiations so so she was published um you know, by an external author and stuff like that so uh, by publishers or, or whatever so which is kind of a big deal i think i think they get about 20 or 30 manuscripts a month and they they take mm-hmm. on three or four a quarter mm-hmm. uh so so it's pretty hard to get published i get and uh and yeah you know, she'd been through i mean i'd helped edit the first one she did edit and things like so that was sort of advancing for her so she was happy to be away in her little cabin um working and me looking after stuff and heck uh, uh from a as long concerned. As and, and I, I actually saw me looking after the children as actually honouring part of our relationship. So I don't want to give the impression that she was an uncaring mother. She was a great mother. Great mother for, mm. for a long stage stage. Mental health overtook us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that sort of stuff went on. And, uh, and in our commitment of the marriage is the idea that let's – and this is about kids. Right? Kids come first. Like when we had our kids, it wasn't a um, – oh, here's two adults and the child's coming along for the ride. No, there was a family going mm. for the ride and there were adults yep. and there was a child and we were cool with that. We're on the same page with that. And I actually see that the efforts and energies I've put into my children over time is still honouring part of that commitment.
0: Hmm. It's lovely. It's really lovely. How did your boys cope after the separation and beyond?
1: Oh, man. So the oldest one, he, uh, one of my friends pointed out really quickly. He was like, he's cruising while he's cruising. And then there's any stress. He's just, he's away. He's disappearing. And he was. And we lived in a nice little sort of uh, surfy town on the north coast of New South Wales. And he was safe. So he be at his mates' mm-hmm. place and riding a bike and going for a surf and out the door and here, there, and everywhere. But it wasn't to say they weren't still really freshest times i mean um yeah you know they were, they were tough times with that and they and they took a toll at one stage i remember um uh after um, um i remember being in the police station with my eldest son so kim had uh done the whole arm up against the throat thing against him uh when i was away one time and uh He'd pushed her over onto a bed. And then she'd rung the police. And this, oh, and the laws had just changed about something. This overzealous police officer was hassling him. You've got you to press charges. And she said, oh, okay. And suddenly the police were chasing him down at his footy training. He was 15. It's just wrong. And, uh, and then suddenly, so I'm meeting him at the police station. And this police officer is just, she is just really wrong. And I'm saying, you're not getting it. This isn't a, poli- a policing matter. This is a mental health matter. And you're giving it the wrong end of the stick. She was really overzealous. And uh, but I'm there standing with my son and there's this um, circle up on the wall, which is, they call it cycle of abuse. And there's these eight types of different domestic abuse you can go through. And we will... We're sort of joking. We'll be going, oh, number one, yeah, that applies to us. Oh, yeah, number two, that applies to us. Oh, yeah, number three, that that one too. Oh, number four, maybe not. Oh, number no, no four. Oh, yeah, number six. And sort of this crazy, demented humour, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm there experiencing that with my, my my son. As it happens, it was yeah. just um, yeah. You know, at the end of it, we. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the police officer, I, uh, we actually walked out, right, when we're meant to be waiting for an AVO. And the police officer runs, I go, what are you going for? And I just ripped into him. And I said, mate, it's 11.30. This child needs to be in bed here at school the next day. Stop being so tardy with how long you're taking to write your AVO up. You yeah, get it together, you know. Well, I could arrest you, like, bring it, mate. Yeah, like I'm not some wimping wallflower, mate. I know my rights. You want another world of difficulty i'll give it to you and uh i didn't say that to him but i'm thinking it you know, in my head i'm thinking no way you know i want to get my child home in bed so yeah there was so there was so yes yeah, so it impacted my kids and they had to deal with that but we talked these things through uh, my second child and at one stage he took off with the girlfriend's family and wrong it was wrong on so many levels he was uh he might have been 15 at the time or 16, just turned 16 or something and uh, so I was away. Kim was going to look after kids. Her mental health. She was, yep I checked in every day. I organized for her to get a massage once a week. There was a cleaner coming into the home. Everything was in place and I was going overseas with a friend or meeting a friend overseas to help him with, uh, with an art exhibition. Three weeks off, I needed a break. It was like, and then I arrive in America and I get this call, and Kim's gone to hospital, and the grandmother's going to check in on the kids, but the grandmother just drives them all mad. <laughs> and uh, do I come home? Do I stay away? And then I come home, and the family of my second son's girlfriend all of a sudden decides to leave town take a lease up in queensland and move with him they say they've got this savior mentality and suddenly i come home and my f- 16 year olds sort of absconded with the girlfriend's family and i'm not cool with this right really well-meaning nice family i mean the father's the doctor the mother's a do-gooder but it was just no it was wrong it was really wrong. And uh, as it happens, you know, they're telling, oh, we've got him for life. And as it happens, he was back in four months. You know what I mean? But tell between the legs, I remember really him knocking on the door and me opening the door and him being there. I think he, that must have been really tough. Like, really tough. And, uh, and yeah, he basically communicated that he, that he couldn't talk to me because he, he just knew I'd talk him out and he just couldn't do it. And, uh, knock on the door and i remember seeing him and thinking i've just made a curry and some rice you (laughs) hungry and so so we just sort of picked up from there you know like what do you say Mm -hmm. and uh so that was that was okay and uh yeah and the youngest child um he has a very difficult relationship with his mother uh yeah that's 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 that's, Mm -hmm. that's a tough one but um, and you know, the youngest is, uh, 19 now, and was, you know, 23 and 22 and, and we're uh, really nice just fellows, Yeah, you know? one's completed his degree and the other one's sort of starting his other one and they're getting mm-hmm. on. They're quite independent, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm pretty good with. I, I tend to think, you know, getting independent a little earlier in life is you get on with life, you know, like live an adult <sighs> life. Um, so but you still want to be caring towards them. So,
0: did you have someone or something uh, or a belief or a faith that helped you through those very, what sounds like pretty tricky, tough, confusing, tumultuous years in the cage?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I have a self belief in uh, myself. And, and where does that come from? I look at that and I think, um, as I said, you know, I, I, you know, I got brought up by stable, loving parents. It wasn't great. It was just a regular, you know, things, ups and downs like parents do. But nonetheless, stable, loving parents, quite well-resourced. Uh, you know, in a nice neighbourhood, played with the neighbourhood kids and, and had a fair bit of freedom. I had a fair bit of freedom for my, um, for my uh, generation, I guess, uh, in in some regards so my my mum, i mean my mum uh actually worked part-time at a time when most women didn't work uh but she and but she was yeah pretty clever and pretty hard work she was just yeah you know, she was quite clever and hard working i guess so uh you know my dad uh, dad was sort of similar similar you know uh working all the time so but i had that and it was stable and consistent so i think that was good so in terms of um that internal sense of, of, of who I am was generally there. I think I, I think it got diminished and a bit demoralized. Uh, but as I said, I had little things like when the um, psychologist, this really experienced psychologist, sat there and said, Mark, I don't need to work with you. Kim, I need to work with you. And, uh, and I kind of knew that when, I, when I'd all like not Kim wouldn't have gone on her own. She Needed to go in a mm-hmm. couple, and that's okay. I mean, I say, we were married, so uh, you know, so that little bit there, it was almost like you know, some bands got taken off me, and I went, That's right, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I've got this, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got this, uh, so yeah, that 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 sort of aspect, um, mm. you know, that that stability and love which which received early in life, I think, is is important, uh, yeah. Yeah, and a sense of hope. You know, things change. Mm-hmm. Things change in life, and problems. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know? Problems are really just just opportunities. In some ways, is is that, that that language? I've often I've had that language all my life. i feel it's, what do you call? They call it uh, reframing. Now, I think uh, I don't know. Um, a good, solid, positive mental attitude, I think, is shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah.
0: You know you, the way the things that you've spoken about, Mark. I, I know a lot of people could probably relate to this. You know, where I mean, uh, divorce rate's very high, but there's there's a lot that goes on before you get to that divorce rate, that 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 moment, and it, it's tough. You know, relationships are tough, and you know you, you've got this family unit, and I think what you've shared here is very reflective of life human story you know this is what happens with humans being together someone not being well and and how that plays out and i have to say thank goodness you did have that internal sense of self instilled in you from when you were a young boy to be able to weather that storm the way that you did
1: oh i've been pretty lucky yeah
0: pretty pretty lucky
1: um yeah i mean, I like to think this might be somewhat helpful um, in that mm. I've had two, two interesting things. One is that uh, in terms of my work, I worked in human services. And I worked with families. Right? So mm. I, I would, I'd be talking to single parents every week and, uh, mm. and, I, and I do the background research as well. So there's, there's interesting research out there about how to guide and help your children during the, the, these processes and with partners and ex-partners. So well, I had a sense of that. And then there's the other part where my ex wrote a memoir, which I got to read. So I got to read the background thinking <laughs> and go, oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but it's confronting, as I said. Uh, page yeah. one, is, I think within the first three lines, it's swearing between us, you know, which in mm-hmm. print is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and her memoir is written as something like raw and confronting. Which is her all over. But she's dynamic and intelligent and, and pretty fired up. Yeah, so which is great. Great the, the things I I loved about her and the aspects that I still love about her. You know, I don't. Mm. I um. Yeah, she's in my life one way or another. And of yeah, yeah. She, uh, but you know, life goes on. Life goes on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful way that you've been able to acknowledge her and the role that she's played in your life and continues to play in your life. You know, as the mother of your your sons and now still always will be the mother of your sons and and just talking to you i can see there's no animosity there's nothing you've got a smile on your face obviously you've moved on and you you're happy and like you said you know you're lucky you love your life you're doing amazing things with the community helping people and you've got three well-adjusted boys i mean what a what a great place to be right
1: yeah yeah it's good it's good i'm um... Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty lucky with it all. So, I suppose so. Um, yeah, right. yeah, something smiling on me, I guess. Mm, great, but um, but you know, it's not over yet. You know, like we we, we are. It's interesting. I you know I read through some of the the ideas. Of, you know, what, what's the events in your life? What's this? And I I sometimes think it's um. Yeah, life is a progression. We're not. It's yes, not getting to mountain tops and planting flags. It's about walking up the mountain. Right, uh, just slogging your guts out, walking up the mountain. A lot of us say, "Oh, you know, happiness, happiness." It's it's a f- happiness may or may not come along. Right, do things uh, to me, and I've researched this stuff now. Do stuff with meaning. If Happiness mm. comes along, great, <laughs> good for you. If it doesn't, it's okay too. Um, mm. I have a broken arm at the moment. I could have a really negative language around it, but it's just something I'm going to have for a couple of months. It's actually going to heal okay. And so I need to calm down. So this is a gift. It's not not like a gift I would have chosen, right? You know, like, you know, know, open up the Christmas tree, you know, roller skates, yeah. (laughs) Smile at the child and just gave me the roller skates. But, yeah, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You to try them on, to give it a go. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: <laughs> That's right. Um, mm. As we come to a close, Mark, I want to thank you for sharing that that your journey and your experiences. And it's been really insightful, really insightful. If, if someone is listening to this who is experiencing anything like what you've shared with us today, what would you like to tell them?
1: It might seem counterintuitive but only your pain only a difficult bitch because um unless you know you're alive you know so i once heard a movie review and the movie reviewer said it's really great that i've gone and seen this really terrible movie because it lets me appreciate how much good work and hard work and how hard it is to make a good film." And and it sounds odd, but we have our count we have our counter our counters in us, so mm-hmm. the, the opposites that let us then appreciate something else. So something's good, something's bad. Okay. But they're still you and, and you endure. Mm-hmm. And and what are the enduring mm-hmm. things, you know, hope and kindness and joy. And they will come around again. That's
0: yeah. that's beautiful. Thank you. Pleasure. Really appreciate that yeah wow what a beautiful answer didn't expect it um yeah. and yet just so so real so true
1: thank you yeah no pops to be included really
0: appreciate oh absolutely yeah. and by the way you know the thing that you said at the very start about you're not sure that you you know you, you are deserving this honor but you're a human every every human that goes through life and humanness and and weaves their way through the challenges like you said doesn't have to be an event but you did and you've woven your way through these challenges and shared your story and by sharing your story today you've connected with others without even realizing it yet those that listening are connecting with you and going wow he went through a really tricky time and look at him now and and he's given us or me that sense of understanding and clarity and that's what this is about. So. Thank you for sharing, and I really appreciate your, your energy and vulnerability and opening up.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. Join us next week for our next hero story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way.